The Hawkeye run game looked better last week against Purdue. Can it continue against Wisconsin? What did we see? We talked to a former Hawkeye and get the breakdown of the run game. LaShawn Daniel joins us today. Locked on Hawkeyes. You are locked on Hawkeyes. Your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in. I'm Trent Condon. He's LaShawn Daniels, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. While you're there, it helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. LaShawn, well, welcome back. And, well, we got to see the run game going. We got to see a little bit out of Caleb Johnson. And it is such a necessary element, obviously, for this Hawkeye team. 20-14 to 14 homecoming win against the Boilermakers. Let's start right there. Uh, what you saw overall, 2014 the win and getting that ground game going. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely obviously a big help to have uh, Caleb back in the lineup. Um, obviously, we saw it early, creating an explosive play. Um, obviously, when you have explosive plays like that, that's that's what offenses want. That's what you're trying to do as an offense. Explosive plays help you win football games. And starting off early in that game was was a pretty big deal. So having him back was, was I feel like, a huge help uh, for the team. And obviously, just kind of want to build on that momentum from, from last week. Because obviously Wisconsin is always a tough opponent. It's always been tough, especially against us in the run game. So definitely going to have to try to build on that momentum to have success this weekend. want to get into a few different plays that we saw. Uh, we'll get into the big touchdown early in the game that opened things up as Iowa jumped out to an early lead in that one. But uh, before we get into that, and you look at this team, what they're doing in Caleb Johnson. This offseason, going back to last season, LaShawn, when we did the podcast together for the first time, I think we both saw right away how special he looked. I mean, he, he's just a combination that Iowa hasn't had with the power and the speed, the physicality. I mean, he is, he's kind of custom built, right? I mean, you want your running back, 5'11", 215 pounds, 220 with the speed that he has. They're fi- hard to find, but Iowa has him. Uh, we found out this week, that he was banged up before the season began. He got rolled up on a couple weeks before and then dealt with that ankle uh, throughout the Iowa State game, sat out a couple of games before he was back. Because early in the season, before we knew about that injury, LaShawn, he didn't look like the same guy, at least I thought. And I think you thought the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just something early on just felt like he just wasn't hitting the hole probably like that we were really used to. Like Everything just kind of seemed, I don't know, just iffy. I uh, wasn't necessarily sure of himself, and I think that's part of that that ankle. Um, I mean, dealing with or whatever it was, I think it was ankle. Uh, so whatever, like when running backs are dealing with things like that, like it's not it's not easy to go out there and play. Cause, I mean, I dealt with the same thing in, in 2015, uh, my ankle in the Iowa State game, and then never really got right probably until like we played Indiana that year, where I felt like okay, um, and. It, it's something that just lingers and like if you try to play on it it never really heals and 
because of that, you're always you're trying to protect yourself like a little bit more. So you might be a little bit more tentative in the whole. You might not be so sure of it because you don't want to, you know, run in, run inside, and then next thing you know, someone falls on your leg, and then uh, now you got to come out and deal with that. So um, definitely taking that time to you know get back and get that health back is very important as a back. So um, obviously we definitely could have used them. Uh, but it's much better to obviously sit out, take that time, and uh, wait for that ankle to heal up before you get back out there. So, yeah, as you mentioned, you want your that's how you want your running backs built. You want them, you know, that size, that speed, be able to, you know, take a, a run from uh, maybe a possible 10 yard play for to a 50 yard touchdown. So, um, obviously, being healthy is the only way that you really can be able to do that. So, yeah, I'm anxious to kind of see how Caleb builds on uh, last week and. So you're going to have a pretty big test this weekend. So we also saw LaShawn Williams. He looked really good, I thought. And that's just better. He, he's better in that role, right? As the complimentary piece, the guy that more third but down back. He's really good as a pass blocker. Caleb did not look very good as a pass blocker. And, and that's another thing, too. You know, still coming back from ankle, not getting the reps. Uh, not a surprise on that one. And and we'll see. Jazzy on Patterson getting him back and adding him to the mix. That's going to be important. Maybe by the Minnesota game, we'll be able to see him uh, once again. But 134 yards for Caleb Johnson, including that a touchdown run of 67 yards. Let's talk about that play because it just looks so odd. And right before we started the podcast today, you and I both were going back and looking at it. It looks so weird, and I was wondering if I would did something differently. And as we were watching it, it's kind of not really. It was just, what the hell is Purdue doing defensively? <laughs> yeah, uh, Purdue defensively, I mean, they probably just got ripped apart on that play. Like, yeah. like I mean, like, you go back and watch it. It's nothing It's nothing. Spe- it's nothing special. It's just an inside zone play with uh, tight end ceiling on the backside. I mean, you're going to see that look uh, – probably a million different times, maybe at different personnel, maybe it'll be a fullback doing it, but all teams probably have a similar looking play and you got linebackers and safeties, just poor eye discipline running completely out of the gap. Like, like I've told you before this, like your average social media user probably could have got five yards on that play. Like that's how <laughs> bad their run fits were on that play. So, um, but that's kind of what we were talking about though earlier, um, like a few weeks back when I talked about, you know, zone running and where I felt um, Caleb has a pretty big impact just because of, you know, his body type and his skill uh, set. Like, it feels like he fits that that zone um, running scheme. And obviously when, when teams vacate, uh, you know, their gaps the way that they did um, against a running back like that, it's just going to create an explosive play. So, With those pieces, and I think you bring up something really good there, LaShawn. The patience that you see from Caleb – works really good with his own blocking scheme. And as we're running more ISO, more hat-on-hat stuff, that probably works better for LaShawn and both Jazzy on better. They're both guys that get the ball, go straight ahead, right? They There's not a whole lot of wiggle, not the same kind of patience we see from Caleb. I mean, that's that has to be something that Brian Ferentz also has to understand too, right? As, as an offensive play caller, you have to understand the differences between your running backs because you guys all have different styles. Yeah, no doubt. And you want to... Uh, lean on those strengths uh, very, very heavily. And uh, when you know that maybe LaShawn and Jazion, uh, you know, are more kind of downhill guys, like, hey, they want to get the ball and they want to hit the gap extremely fast. Like you want to you want to lean into that a little bit more because it's going to help your run game. It's going to help your offense. And then when you have a guy like uh, Caleb, who's a little bit more patient runner, but you know, like once he hits the hole, like he's hitting it at a million miles per hour, like you want to go ahead and, 
use those zone runs because that's going to help you uh, create those opportunities for you know much bigger plays. Where uh, typically a lot of those gap uh, scheme plays, a lot of times we previously use them in a lot of short yardage, uh, just because again you want to hit it quick and you're just trying to get a couple of yards. But obviously now they're integrating it a little bit more on regular first and second down. So yeah, you definitely have to know the, the personnel that you have, but also that's part of the reason why that they've got to kind of get more creative in how they use their personnel groupings and how you, you call your offense. Because again, while Caleb may be special at, um, you know, zone runs, a lot of zone runs, you can't, you, you really have to have numbers or you don't really have success with that. Um, whereas in, in the gap scheme runs, you can kind of run it, even if you don't have favorable numbers, just because again, you're just trying to uh, basically cut the defense versus playing the, the running back pick and choose. Uh, yeah, you definitely have to obviously play to each running back strengths and see coach uh, Brian has been, been doing that with, with the guys that he has in. So as they get healthier in the backfield, um, I would anticipate seeing a little bit more diversity in the run game than probably what we had, um, you know, the first few weeks of the season. So the run game improved. The passing game did not improve. Let's get into that side and, and that part of the offense, 6 of 21 for Deacon Hill. He got better as the game went on, but he still wasn't great by any means. The accuracy remains a really big concern, and I don't think it's anything that you can fit, you know, fix in season. That's not going to be a realistic possibility. Can he get better? Sure, but to expect him all of a sudden to turn into a 65% passer is just an unlikely scenario. Get that thing north of 50 is kind yeah. of what we're shooting for here and, and probably a realistic goal for him the rest of the way. What did you see out of him amped up early on, a lot of balls sailing out and and maybe any kind of hope you can uh, glean out of it going forward. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely a tough showing. Um, but the thing that I did like was that even though he wasn't completing passes, uh, probably at the rate that he was expecting, the team was expecting, every, we were expecting, he kept throwing it, right? Like he, he, it wasn't like he was getting gun shy. He was still going out there and he was, he was letting it rip. And I think that, is encouraging um just because you're like okay well you know at least he's not not losing that confidence at least from uh our point vantage point right you know he's not losing that confidence because again he took that shot to to eric all late in the late in the game and hey you know that he was still kind of feeling it like he was like okay i'm not uh, too down on myself so that that is encouraging but obviously you, you gotta uh wind it back a little bit you got a can of an arm there's sometimes some of those passes like Hey, like maybe if it's 15 yards down the field and you're trying to fit in a tight window, you're like, yeah, you can throw a little bullet or a bullet fast. But hey, when you're throwing, especially to us running backs, like you can't throw it that fast. Uh, we're we're only a few yards away from you. And then even on some of those those quick routes, even though again the receivers probably think like, hey, we should be bringing those in. Um, but still, you, you want to kind of ease off on that a little bit. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely some things there, and uh, I like the way that he was trying to spread the ball around and get other people involved. It's just, we gotta, we gotta calm ourselves down a little bit um, and, you know, try to make the make rules, especially those, those easy completions and, and have those, because again, that's going to keep you on schedule. That's going to keep you in rhythm. And then you're not going to have to feel like you have to necessarily force it because although Purdue has had a number um, uh, and in the past, right, it's going to be a lot different going up to, Wisconsin, especially where you just were at, at school, like you're really going to be try to be amped up. Yeah. And you know it's a rivalry game. You know that uh, this is some pretty, pretty big uh, Big Ten West. Uh, I don't 
applications. So like, you're going to have to be able to, to calm yourself down and make those makeable plays. So um, the, like I said, I think the thing that brought me uh, a little gleamer of hope was just the fact that he didn't lose confidence throughout that game. Like he kept mm-hmm. throwing it and he was still willing to take those shots out. Well, we're going to talk more about that game. Facing off against Wisconsin, we'll talk to LaShawn about what's it like to be a player on the sidelines there at Camp Randall, jump around going into the fourth quarter. What's that like? We will do that as we continue here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Every, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I've made hires. I've had things for my small business that I have to do in the hiring space. It is incredibly stressful. And LinkedIn Jobs helps solidify and make a little bit of that ease come your way. Add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. That spreads the word that you are hiring. And they have simple tools like screening questions. It makes it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires First, leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, that is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Trent LaShawn back with you once again on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. So we get into the matchup with Wisconsin. Before we break the game down a little bit here with Sean, we also got our picks coming up for the week as we pick five games against the spread every single week. Let's uh, start first, just the environment. Camp Randall, uh, been there many times. I've told our listeners in the past, got family in Madison, went to a lot of games growing up. And back in the 80s, it was great because Wisconsin stunk. I mean, they were terrible. They tried to run the veer for a couple of years. They were just awful. And it was basically, you know, it was one of those road games where there'd be, you know, 15, 20,000 Hawkeye fans in the stands and it'd be a party in Madison. Not, not the case anymore, obviously, of what that program's morphed into over the last three decades. But uh, LaShawn, what is it like uh, going there, the jump around going in the fourth quarter, just overall as an environment in the Big Ten? Yeah, uh, I think their environment is great, especially when you get to the the fourth quarter and the students actually show up now and they yeah. <laughs> they, they fill it up like kind of <laughs> early late in arriving. The, yeah, yeah, they're late arriving uh, student section. Like early on in the game, it's not too bad. Like it's not it's not really doesn't really get like that loud because again, big part of the student section is missing. Um, but once you get toward, into that second half and you're down on that that end, like it can get pretty loud. And obviously the, the jump around is, is fun uh, to be involved, usually, especially when you're in the game, right? And mm-hmm. the only time I played up there was 2015. And we all remember that 2015 
uh, game with the fumble on the goal line. Like we all remember that. Uh, so obviously that made it a pretty, pretty uh, good experience. So that was a good one. And Stave getting his foot stepped on. <laughs> who, who came up with the ball on that one? I'm trying to remember. Was oh. it? Uh, who was it? Was it Nate Meyer or was it? I think. Yep. Yep. I it think might, you're been, right. might have been Nate. Yeah. yeah. Might yeah. Have been Nate. <laughs> that that was a good one there. So I mean, that was a tight game. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in the past. Now it's usually teams up a couple of scores on Wisconsin, and then all of a sudden the visitors start getting into it a little bit more yeah. with the jump around. Were you? We guys hyped up on the sidelines going into that. I think like everyone was. I don't think everyone was like too hyped up. Like people were like were hyped, but people were like probably like more hyped up on the inside, but we weren't like dancing around or anything like that. I guess every like everyone for the most part was was pretty locked in because like everyone understood kind of the how special this game was and to obviously come out with the with the victory there, especially uh, you know, we haven't really beat we didn't have that much success against Wisconsin over the past two years at that point. So I think everyone was was pretty locked in. Well, we have some uh, some struggles moving the football against this team here over well, a long time, but certainly in the Brian Ferentz era. Last year, Iowa won the game with 146 yards of total offense. Two years ago in Camp Randall, 156. The high water mark in Madison in the Brian Ferentz regime came in 2019. They put up 295 in that game. Uh, that was the one where Nate Stanley got crunched down at the one-yard line on the two-point conversion as he was trying to run it in and lost 24-22. And then uh, the low-water mark, 2017. Fresh off putting 55 up against Ohio State. Iowa puts up 66 yards of total offense, gets shut out outside of two Josh Jackson pick sixes in that one. It has not been pretty for the Hawkeyes. So start with this, just the simplest terms. And I know it's a different staff. Jim Leonard isn't there anymore. He's helping out Bielema now at Illinois. But it's still a 3-4. Start with that part of it. I was offense, what you guys want to do, and how the difficult nature against an odd man front like a 3-4. Yeah, well, first off, you got to kind of understand, you know, the the odd fronts, right? So they're coming with three down linemen, and typically three it's going to be three down linemen, and they're going to have four backers. uh, Where typically the the two outside backers are almost like edge players, essentially, think, you know, a TJ Watt. Um, So... Uh, the thing about three, four defenses is that they can do an extremely good job of disguising what they are doing, whether it's guys that are blitzing guys that are on coverage, like because they have more, I guess, more of those hybrid players versus, um, you know, that extra down lineman, like they can move those guys around and they can do different things. And they want to essentially, especially like when you think about the run game, they want to make the offenses run the V. So what does the V look like? So you've got the three down linemen and you've got the the, the outside backers, right? So you're on, on the three, four. So obviously you're going to have the, the, I guess the defensive ends for those uh, down linemen, they're going to be a little bit tighter than, you know, your typical four or four, three front. And because of that, like they want you to essentially run outside of those guys. They want to plug that inside and force you to run outside because they've got those, big kind of hybrid outside linebacker types that are going to, you know, force you to string out the play and then make the tackles there. So it makes it difficult to go and run your, your typical inside zone plays. Um, because again, that, that area is plugged. There is opportunity for to run the stretch plays and, and the outside zones, but you have to do an extremely good job of let's see cutting off what is typically going to be a four eye defensive end. So four eyes, a guy who's lined up on the inside shade of the tackle 
and then uh, you have to do a great job of keeping the outside linebacker from compressing the edge down. So it makes it very, very difficult because those are typically going to be stout guys on, on the defensive end side and then really, um, you know, hybrid athletic guys on the edges that, that can move around extremely well. So you have to do a great job of preventing that penetration. And this is where, this is where you know, those, those gap runs are going to come into play a little bit more. And you can have that success because you can essentially, like I mentioned earlier, you can split defense in half. You can make uh, have the definitive line because, again, everyone's just blocking down on a gap versus, you know, moving towards the zone and, and you know, trying to stretch those players out. So when you think about Iowa's offense, obviously I would expect a little bit more of the, the gaps, the counters, the power plays, and um, more of the stretch zones and outside zones versus, you know, our typical inside zone um, plays. So that's what that's what you kind of up against when you're going against, you know, that 3-4 that defense um, or out front, especially in the run game. Wisconsin this year, Luke Fickle taking over, Phil Longo, the new offensive coordinator. They're still running the football. They're 10, uh, 16th in the country right now in rush offense, averaging over 200 yards per game. Total offense, 54th in the country. Mordecai hasn't been great. But though they're running out of a spread, they're doing just that. They're running out of a spread. And it's still very much with Braylon Allen, a run-based offense. Defensively, you mentioned this a little bit earlier. This defense, not what we're used to. It's still good. It's 27th in the country in total defense. Uh, rush defense up there as well. 53 in total defense. Rush defense at 27. So the statistical profile, a couple things jumped out. How you're going to be able to beat this team is with plays down the field. Well, what is the strength of Deacon Hill? It's that strong arm. I made this argument earlier in the week. We, you know, hey, you got to make a couple of big plays in the passing game. It's kind of, I don't know, it's just almost a throwaway line at times when you're breaking games down. <laughs> I believe if I was really going to have a chance here, it's going to be five or six plays they're going to have to make up the field in the passing game because the likelihood that the run game is has a great game is very, very low. Can they be okay? Can they be adequate? Maybe. But if Deacon can hit probably five, six passes at 20-plus yards, I think that's the only way that Iowa can can move the football. Two, I don't think it's enough. I, I got to see it up near a half dozen on the on the way. And I think you can do that. As if you can get protection, and the pass protection's been good this year, I think you can do that against this Wisconsin team. You see anything there? Is there a, at least a possibility? I'm trying to sell some hope. Yeah, well, see, for starters, Deacon Hill's very familiar with Wisconsin um, and going against their defense on a, assuming, you know, really a, a weekly basis last yeah. year. Um, obviously it's, it's, it's going to be different. There's going to be different wrinkles, but obviously like the bones structure for the most part is going to be similar. Um, but it's really, obviously it's really going to start first and foremost up front. As I mentioned in the run game, um, because of, you know, an off front there, are, the defense has a lot of ability to disguise what they're doing and disguise who's coming on, on, on rushing and who's dropping back on pass coverage. So you're going to have to be really dialed in. Um, offensive line and running back and pass protection to make sure that you're picking up guys. You can't have free runners. You can't have guys that are unaccounted for. Uh, you know when you when you think about you know the uh, blocking scheme. Obviously, they they might bring there might be times where they might bring more guys than we have to block, and obviously then the quarterback has to handle that. You have to throw hot or or whatever. So, but obviously up front, it's gonna have to. That's where everything's gonna really start. Um, can't protect. It's not gonna really matter uh, what you know, plays you have dial up for the receivers down the field. Um, but then after that, yeah, you, like you mentioned, you're, you're going to have to attack downfield. You're going to have to open these guys up a little bit and 
keep them from, you know, condensing um, everything in the run game so tight and inside the box and force them to back off a little bit, force them to maybe have to, you know, drop an extra guy in coverage or have to do an extra wrinkle um, on the back end uh, to kind of open things up for you to have success in the run game and help you stay on schedule. And the way that you're going to be able to do that is obviously having success in the passing game. Can you hit, um, you know, a deep shot or even an intermediate shot in that, you know, 10 to 15 yard range and force them to respect the passing game even a little bit is going to be a big part on uh, how Iowa is going to be able to have success on, on the offensive end and how that's going to be able to provide them some success to potentially win the football game. Well, we will get into our thoughts on this game. We'll break it down as we will make our picks this week presented by FanDuel each and every week. LaShawn and I make picks against the point spread. Five games, the five big games in the college football and Big Ten landscape. We will do that as we continue. And one of us was undefeated last week. We'll tell you who when we come back. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Hawkeyes is brought to you by FanDuel. Step into action this NFL season with FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers out there, time to get on board. You're going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That is incredible. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app, it's super easy to use and a ton of options that you can bet on. Not just the point spread. Iowa getting 10 this weekend against Wisconsin. They got player props. They got over-unders. They got same-game parlays all over the place. So many different ways for you to play at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Trent and LaShawn back with you one final time on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, and it is time for our weekly picks. Yes, somebody went undefeated last week. It was me. 4-0-1. We got the push in the Maryland-Ohio State game, but finally came up with some winners, and I'm starting to track you down now. I'm only a game back in our season-long uh, standings here, and well, we got something on the line coming up here in less than a month as we'll be meeting in Chicago. If you're heading to Chicago for the Iowa-Northwestern game, we will be doing a live show on Friday, November 3rd, the day before the game from Merkel's. It's the Hawkeye Bar in Wrigleyville. Going to be there throughout the day. Going to be a ton of fun. Looking forward to that. And LaShawn, looking forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, no, it'll be. I think it'll be a great time. Uh, obviously, looking forward to getting together, talking football, uh, talking Hawks. And it'll be a great time. I see interacting with uh, all our Iowa fans that are there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped for that. It's going to be a great time, no doubt about it. Well, let's kick things off here. Great slate of games this week, and I think at the top of our list this week, it is the game of the week. Game day will be there. I'm so looking forward to this game. Oregon, they are getting three at Washington. Of course, we'll get to see both these teams coming up in future years as they are joining the Big Ten starting next season. Uh, my nephew went to school and went to undergrad at Washington. Said incredible environment. My sister and my brother-in-law, they said when they went out there to visit him, just an incredibly beautiful campus, the stadium right on the water. They said a f- football scene, and they do the sailgating. Instead of tailgating, they're doing it on a mm-hmm. boat. I mean, it, it's big time out there in Seattle. That's going to be a really cool one here. Should be a great environment. Ducks getting three. And since I won the week, I'll go first here. I like Oregon. When I look at this matchup, I've liked Washington all year long. I've invested in Washington. I got a lot of futures on them. I got a 25 to one ticket on the national championship. I got them a couple in the uh, Pac-12. But Oregon, when you look at the four units, 
Oregon has one. I think there's a decided advantage. Their defense is quite a bit better than the Washington defense. And because of that, two great offenses here. I'm going to grab the points. Give me Oregon. Yeah, I was leaning the exact same way. I mean, their defense has been so, so good really ever after that Texas Tech game. I feel like they've just been absolutely just locked in and have been basically putting the beat down on a lot of teams. Obviously, they haven't played, you know, spectacular teams since then. But even though you look at Colorado, they still have a really, really good offense and basically made it look like they were non-existent offense out there. So um, I'm, I'm leaning with you exactly there. I think that their defense is what's going to make the difference in this game, um, especially going on the road. That That's what's going to quiet the crowd a little bit and, and keep them uh, keep that momentum from getting too big on Washington's side. So give me Oregon. Pick number two, it is in the ACC undefeated North Carolina against who we thought was going to be undefeated Miami until the decision not to kneel it down, running back at 99 yards. Ah, one more carry, what can hurt? Well, you can lose the football game. What what a crazy one that was. Now, how does Miami get off the mat? They're getting three and a half in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to be able to bounce back <laughs> after that. I mean, like, that's just such a heartbreaking loss. Like, everyone, um, obviously, that was watching it, probably just couldn't believe their eyes. I couldn't believe my eyes. I mean, there was linemen on their team that, like, I mean, you watch and you go back and you look at it, like, they they couldn't believe it. And, yeah, I don't think that they're going to be able to bounce back, especially against a really, really good football team um, led by a superstar quarterback and, and Drake May. So give me give me UNC. I feel like that that week from last week against my – that Georgia Tech game last week against Miami is going to be just too, too much of a downer for them to, to bounce back this week. You know, I was in the same spot as you, LaShawn. I was kind of thinking the same kind of thing. And then it went back because Cristobal – also had something like this that happened when he was at uh, Oregon and let a game slip away by not kneeling it out. And there would have been a couple of ticks left. But anyway, the next week they came back and beat a top 25 team. I don't know if they come back and win, but I'm going to grab the points here. Crystal Ball's done it before, got his team off the mat. So I'm going to grab the points here as we are opposites in Miami and North Carolina. USC at Notre Dame. Boy, watched all the USC Arizona. That was a lot of fun. I was telling you before we went on the air here, uh, my bartender around the corner at the corner pub, she uh, was trying to close out her money line parlay, two bucks to win 175 on FanDuel. All she needed was Arizona to win, and of course it didn't come to fruition. But watching that one, a really fun game. This USC defense is absolutely broken, though. Notre Dame, I think they had the look-ahead spot. We talked about that a little bit last week. It was just a terrible spot. I didn't like Louisville as a team. I just hated the spot for Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame cuts off the mat here. I just see too many warts in this USC team defensively. I'm going to take the Irish minus the two and a half. Yeah, I feel like this is the game that really is probably just going to, that's going to end up preventing USC probably from competing for a national championship, to be honest, because you look at their defense and it's just been absolutely just abysmal, um, bad all around. They really can't stop anything. They can't stop the pass, can't stop the run. And because of that, uh, and going on the road, uh, it's not going to be an it's not going to be easy environment. Um, so because of that, give me Notre Dame. Um, I feel like their offense is good enough to keep it close, but their defense is what's going to make up the, the that difference. And the fact that USC can't stop anyone is what's going to be the difference. So we go to the SEC next. You get the first choice here, Texas A and M after. I think letting one slip away against Alabama. I, there were winnable opportunities. Jimbo 
using one of his timeouts to kick a field goal. That was just absolutely head-scratching there. They go to Tennessee. The Vols coming off a bye week. Three is the number. Aggies getting three in Knoxville. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Obviously, you're you're anxious to see how does and um bounce back from, again, a tough, tough loss last week where you see they, they probably felt like they should have won that game. Um, I mean, they're in it. They made big plays. Uh, so because of that, I think that they're going to be able to bounce back. Um, I don't know if they'll, they'll be able to win this football game, but I do think that they have the potential to keep it close. Um, because again, they've got good football players, even though they, they had some, probably some, some coaching blunders that they probably wish they could have had back last week. Uh, I think they have a good football team and I think they have the potential to keep this game close, even on the road. You're going to take AM and the three. I've been back and forth in this game. I've been waffling. I'll take Tennessee. We'll, we'll just go a little bit different. <laughs> I just, I, th- this is one I will definitely not have this part of my uh, plays for Saturday as <laughs> it's a throw my hands up and I'm just going to uh, sit back and watch. We'll wrap it up as we do each and every week. It is the Iowa game. Hawkeyes, they are a 10 point underdog in Wisconsin. People that have been listening to me this week, I think they know where I stand on this one. I just don't have any belief in Deacon Hill at this point that he's going to be able to sustain drives to move it forward. Wisconsin is not an explosive team this year, but they know how to grind it out. And in fact, I kind of see something much like we saw in the Penn State game. Offense can't get anything going, can't move the football. Defense gets tired in the second half, and Wisconsin eventually runs away. I got the Badgers winning this one 32-6, and I will take Wisconsin big in this matchup. Yeah, um, I'm leaning the same way with with going with Wisconsin. Reason being is you just mentioned it. Our offense, it, it feels like we can't really sustain anything. Um, feels like even when we get something good going, like it ends up just still just being a punt at the end of the day. Like you might get two first downs, and we still like we feel like yeah, we're moving the football, and then it still ends up in a punt. And really, with with Deacon. Um, I hope that he goes out there and plays lights out, but right now I haven't seen anything that, that's going to tell me that. And the fact of the matter is, because of that, they're going to be able to crowd the box and not let us run the football. So I got Wisconsin and and the points. And because, again, the defense isn't as strong as it's been in the past year, still really good, and the defense isn't going to be able to hold up for the, the entire 60 minutes being on the field for 35-plus minutes. So give me, give me the Badgers. A disappointing uh, couple of picks for us here at the end. Prove us wrong, Hawks, and let's get this one. Not just covering. Let's win this football game. Obviously, the winner of this one in control of the Big Ten West. We'll be back next week to break things down. It'll be the stinking Gophers on tap next as Minnesota will make their way down to Kinnick Stadium. For LaShawn Daniels, I'm Trent Condon. LaShawn, appreciate it. As always, we'll talk again next week. Yes, sir. Go Hawks.